Good evening. And now, the Inspirational Quarterly. Hi, and welcome to the Inspirational Quarterly, where we are reading StarCraft Ghost Nova by Keith R. A. DeCandido. And I am Kara Ellison. And I'm Davey Reardon. Hello, and welcome back to... Welcome back. The stage of history. (laughs) Uh, And there is a lot of history in this book and in the StarCraft universe. And I know that because uh, in our downtime this week, I spent a little bit more time digging into the StarCraft wiki. um, Oh, dear. Because because it was very fruitful last time. So so let me... I I pulled out a couple of little tidbits that I think... uh, 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 are in meaningful meaningful data for us as as we dig further into StarCraft Ghost Nova. Um, all right, so a couple things here. Let's see. One thing is uh, I was I was uh, looking up the um, the old. There was an art. There was a wiki page about the old families of Tarsonis, which is our our planet that we that we're on here, and uh, or that the birthday party is on. And uh, one interesting little tidbit I found about the old families was this quote, a common business tactic among the old families was forming loss leading companies on fringe worlds, driving their competitors out of business, then increasing prices on necessities. So this made me think about our conversation about Constantino, who, as we discussed previously, can't runs a series of technological manufacturing businesses and has found a way to lose money in an intergalactic war with aliens. Right. Right. Yeah. Because we talked about the absurdity of that. Right. And, you know, he seems happy to do that. Um, But it seems to not be giving him a good reputation is the thing. Well, and so this is where I thought that this quote was interesting because you have to wonder here is if Constantino is running this huge, this like real big picture thing here where he is trying to tank the market, right, in order to somehow prop up like another business somewhere else. Or if if this idea of loss leading companies undercutting the competition is just something that he has picked up so much momentum with that he's forgotten all about the benefiting himself aspect of it. He's just, he's like, he's just gotten into the spirit of bankrupting companies and he's forgotten that there's a bigger goal. You know what I mean? Yeah. This is interesting because it's undercutting our ideas of, you know, previous ideas of Constantino being like a fairly good guy. You know, Mm -hmm, we want, we mm -hmm. wanted him to be, this chill guy who just loved his daughter and was like a kind of gregarious, you know, well, I, I guess we did make some comparisons to the Godfather. So uh, he's probably not all like a, <laughs> a silly, bum, a silly bumbling Godfather. Like, <laughs> right. like if, just accidentally like if, kills all of these people who make hover bikes or something. Like if Robin know. Williams played Don Corleone or something. Yeah. <laughs> Which is such a ridiculous idea. But I think 
Also, I think we had a lot of, you know, heart eyes for Constantino up front, but currently mm. we might be eroding some of his squeaky cleanness, maybe? Yeah, maybe. I mean, I'm not saying that he's, I'm not saying he's doing this with with bad purposes, right? I'm saying, like, maybe other old families do this kind of thing, and he saw it, and he was just inspired by it. Not because he's trying to run other people out of business. He just loved the idea of bankrupting companies, right? Or it's just the way things are done, I guess, maybe. Sure. Uh, Yeah, it could just be that they've been doing it for so long that they've all forgotten what, you know, why are we undercutting uh, our competitors, right? Yeah. Like, like the the idea is... The idea is your competitors go out of business and then you raise your prices. And he's just like, nope, our competitors go out of business and I'm going to keep lowering and lowering and lowering my prices anyway. Yeah. And I mean, it's interesting as well because we came across that bit where it said that he'd been the loudest amongst those arguing against the bombing of Core Hall for because mm-hmm. he said it was too extreme. Mm-hmm. But then a bunch of the old families took the council's side and said that extreme problems demanded extreme solutions. So I think a lot of people don't think that Constantino is extreme enough in his draconian business kind of ideas, maybe. He's plenty extreme. He's just not extreme with the end of screwing people over. Yeah, Right? He's extreme in his terrible business practices. Right. right? But, like, he's not extreme enough for the military side of the business. No. You know what? You know? You know? There's a man that Constantino reminds me of, and that's our dear friend Garth Duke, who isn't, who, who, yes, yes, is going and getting naked at a 15 year old girl's birthday party. But. Oh my God, it sounds so bad, though. It does sound really bad when you say it like that. <laughs> He's just like running yeah. about streaking, and you're like, it's uh, a 15 year old's birthday party, Duke. The conditional I'm about to add on to that statement really ought to be carrying more weight than it actually is, which is that. <laughs> We know that in his heart, it's not from a place of horniness. Does right. that make it better? I don't know. But it does mean he's not an actively bad guy. And that's how I think of Constantino. Bad businessman? Yes. Screwing people over? Yes. Losing money? Yes. Doing it because he is actually malintentioned? Probably not. Probably yeah, not. Yeah, I mean... He still shouldn't get away with it. Like, someone should be like, look, Duke, you can't come along to this 15-year-old's birthday party. But also, I feel like... Oh, we're, talking about Gar- we're talking about Garth Duke now. I didn't know who shouldn't be getting away with it here. Because oh, yeah, none Garth- of them should be getting away with it. No, none of them should be getting away with it. But I think that Garth Duke, especially, like, someone should just be like, he doesn't belong <clears throat> at a 15-year-old girl's birthday party. But I guess in this society... You know, everyone belongs at fifteen year olds' birthday party for some reason. You nobody gets turned down from birthday parties. That's the unspoken rule. Or remember the uh, blackmail uh, idea that we talked about. And yeah. and and let me bring in another little detail that I that I, I scoured out of the wiki. So uh, we talked about dates. We talked about the the radioactive waste incident and and the the uh, 
relative to this birthday party situation because we proposed that that came after the birthday party and was a kind of tempering of Garth's, you know, like wild, unmitigated party sensibility, right? Yeah, because he went to party in a mildly radioactive way. So I looked up the dates. The fall of Tarsanus, the planet we're on, which which is the, the event that's about to happen where everyone's going to die, uh... February 17th, 2500, the year 2500, right? Okay. Michael Liberty uncovers a scandal about mildly radioactive waste, and that leads to him going off and being sent to Edmund Duke or whatever, September 2499. Okay. Oh. The radioactive waste happens about six months before this birthday party. Right. Oh. So, so if Garth Duke was involved in that, it means that he had to go through a radioactive waste situation, and he's back, still on it. Like he he's didn't still partying. He didn't fundamentally learn any lesson from that situation. <laughs> and he's got this like mildly radioactive junk. He's still like flailing around. <laughs> like it's crazy. Oh man. Well, you know, I I feel like if he hasn't learned his lesson, you know, I don't think there's if much you, anyone can do at this point. If the radioactive waste situation didn't teach you something, like there's no hope. There's no hope. Come on. He's, <laughs> that's that's that we're not turning that one around, right? That train has left the station and the destination is nudity and the yeah. passengers on board are everyone. Right, exactly. And I don't know how, again, I don't know how I feel about that because, like, there to me there is a sort of purity in it. Like, there's a real fine line between purity of passion and stupidity of obsession. Right? Right, right. How, how, where, where, where are we supposed to define that? And, and, like, and who's to say that he isn't kind of, like, straddling both sides of that line? Yeah, I mean... We've talked about him so much, and yet he's only had, like, a couple lines in the novel so far. So he must have made this huge impact on us because he's so <laughs> impetuous, you know? Oh. Uh, all right, let, what, last thing before we move on and get to the book. Um, the, uh, the, I was looking at the Old Families page on the wiki, and I, I went to the bottom and I looked at the references. And there's a lot of authors that have references in that uh, section, right? Oh, yeah. A, a dozen or more different authors writing different books and novels and whatever and video games that, that this is referencing. Our boy Keith R.A.D. Candido has seven different references. Everybody else has like one, two, maybe three references. Keith R.A.D. Candido, seven references. He is storming up this wiki page about lore of the old families right oh so he's like really he must know his shit he, like he's done a lot of world building basically well, he, yeah like he invent he's inventing this right like like keith is the one filling out a huge amount of the the world about you know the starcraft lore in general but really specifically the old families and i think that we're going really deep into it because keith decided he was going to go really deep into it and really make his impact on the StarCraft universe here. Right. And and I will say this. 
I, I looked at that and I, and I, and I thought, wow, seven references, that's pretty impressive. And then I scrolled down a little bit more and I found out there was one other author who has more references in the old family's wiki page. And that is a man named William C. Dietz. Okay. And Wi- William C. Dietz has 10 references on Ooh. that page, all from a book called Starcraft II, Heaven's Devils from 2010, published in 2010. So, at the time that StarCraft Ghost Nova came out, Keith was the authority, right? Right. Keith, 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 like, if, you, if someone needed to know something about the old families in the StarCraft lore, uh, quick, who do I talk to? Oh, don't worry. Keith is over here. He's got you covered, right? Right. For four years, he sits on that throne. And then William C. Dietz comes along and says, no, 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 there's a new sheriff in town, right? Well... I mean, that's interesting because doesn't that mean that basically William is in conversation with Keith, i.e. he's basically expanding on the lore that Keith... I wonder why Keith didn't get that second job. Do you think he was busy doing something else? Maybe he was off writing some other IP novels. When you peak, you don't want to come back to that. When you leave a... (laughs) When you leave a party with the perfect exit, you don't come back in 20 minutes later saying, hey, actually, I want to kind of stick around for a bit. No matter how much you want to come back to that party, you leave. Keith drops StarCraft Ghost Nova. He's done. That's it. He pinnacle. Did, he, he can't top it. Right. It's the absolute pinnacle of the series. Um, now, I can't... I'm not saying that William... That William was coming in with better material right like he certainly there's a quantity of material but we don't know anything about the quality of it yet because i can vouch yeah. for the quality of keith's material right do you think wait so do we know if keith invented garth or was he a pre-existing character uh i i found it i found a uh, uh a garth wiki page and the only reference was StarCraft Ghost Nova. That was the so only that was the only thing referenced. So I'm pretty sure we can say that, that Keith invented Garth. What a legend. I know. Well, again, you invent a character like Garth. What are you going to do? Come back and invent, you know, Garth 2? Like, right. So, no, yes. So, yeah. So he he is basically, yeah, the progenitor of, of Garth. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that's amazing. Okay, and, well, and, now that we've established that, um, I, I'm hoping that Garth stays, sticks around. Maybe maybe I, he, this is his last hurrah. I wonder if I wonder if, if there's any sort of, like, antagonistic relationship between Keith and William here, you know, in the sense that William had to come in and kind of, like, one-up Keith um, for, for these references. I mean, I, you know, who's, who's to say, like, Keith, I mean, Keith if is there obvious. isn't one, I think we should invent one. I think we should certainly <laughs> invent one. <laughs> Thank you. That's what I was trying to get to here. Right. So let's yes. just keep an eye out. So after we finish this one, we're like straight onto William, like no break, just like straight in there. Uh, <laughs> like... A pure slugfest the whole time of of only comparisons to Keith uh, uh, to Keith's superior writing, obviously. <laughs> right. But then what if we get converted? Oh, my heart Oh, aches. is it worth it? 
An awful feeling. Is that worth it? Is that worth risking it? Or is it better to never know? I, I don't know if we should go that far. What if mm-hmm. what if we dethrone Keith and we're sad about it forever? I will oh. never. How dare you? How dare you? <laughs> I can't believe you even said that, said that sentence. That's a... That's a nasty sentence that shouldn't be allowed on this podcast. Davey, do you know what's going to happen is in future people are going to come across our gravestones and they're going to be like shrines to a god of called Keith D. Candido. And everyone's going to be like, hmm, I should look that guy up. And then they read this book and they'll this be This must like, have been a very away. important, influential man. Yes. Yeah. In the era that we're, you know, these people lived in, they must have had this god named Keith. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Mm-hmm. And who is this devil man named William C. Dietz who <laughs> who scorched and salted the earth? What what an awful man that was universally recognized as a as a vile person by by this society. I know. Wow. All right. Well, I'm I'm glad we discovered William. So yeah, you know, I think we can we can use William as a kind of scapegoat for any uh, sort of problems we have with the lore going forward. I think so too. Let's just assign Which is it nice. to William. Yeah. Which is nice. Okay. Okay. All right. We are picking up on page uh, thirty-four. Nice. Um. Uh. And. Uh, what had just happened here was, uh, so we met Morgan Calabas, who was, is an awful bad person who we don't yeah. like. No. And then Zeb and Nova were talking about Charlie said that such and such was going to happen. And then they said the, the tailor can, can make, um, chest sizes larger. So. Yeah. Uh, Okay. Suddenly, as it had during the toast, her father's voice rang out over the speakers. Ladies and gentlemen, the dessert. Three of the serve and well, this is exciting because every time a new piece of food is brought into this party, it, it just vastly enriches kind of the, <laughs> the, the scene for me, you know. It does. It's all about the food at this party, although most of it is buffalo or something. Most of it's buffalo, but that's what I'm saying is like when there's whenever there's something new that comes in, you know. You have to wonder, like, are they excited about that? Or are they thinking, like, uh... It's only, probably only, a only cake buffalo made of buffalo. All right, here we go. Three of the servants then brought in a huge cake. Nova couldn't help but grin. She had spent an hour with Mommy and the co- Mommy and the cook going over precisely what she wanted in a cake. It had to have a lot of chocolate and framberries from Halcyon and ice cream. And frosting from Olaf's in downtown Tarsanis. Based on the huge four-layer confection that took three servants to wheel in, the kitchen staff had succeeded in bringing these elements together, a feeling that was confirmed when Mommy and her jig Edward came over. (laughs) Okay, Uh, this is uh, Annabella's jig, who we haven't met before, Edward. Um... And, uh, and I also like that Keith sort of threw in just like a made up uh, fruit in there in and amongst all these other things just to, Wait, you know, let it. But framberries it... could be in the lore already, but we don't know. Ooh, Do that's a good question. Did, did, did Keith invent framberries? 
did Keith invent Framberries? All right, back oh, to the StarCraft wiki with me. Hang on, here we go. <laughs> StarCraft wiki. All right, let's see. I am I am going to search Framberries. I wonder what Framberries are. Okay, all right, all right. An actual entry for Framberry oh, has yes. appeared. Fram- all right. <laughs> oh, no, don't laugh. <laughs> I'm just laughing that there is an article for Framberries on the StarCraft wiki. There, there are three references to, oh to different God. to different books and games. Someone sat down and collated all references to Framberries across across uh, the StarCraft universe. Uh, Perfect. Uh, all right, here we go. Framberries are a fruit grown on Umoja, and there is. That's one reference. So that was an entire thing that someone took out of uh, Koprulu Sector Systems Umoja. And God knows what that is, because that is a random combination of letters strung together. (laughs) But whatever it is, it's something that someone uh, took information about Framberries and posted in the wiki. From Umoja and Halcyon. These berries could be baked into bread and cakes, drunk as juice, and were a meal bar flavor. Uh, and a meal bar is probably just meal bar. Meal bars are Terran. I'm now just diving into StarCraft Wiki. <laughs> meal bars are Terran snacks that come in a variety of flavors, including framberry. And there is one reference to the meal bar. Uh, entry in the StarCraft wiki, and that is StarCraft Ghost Nova by Keith R.A.D. Candido. Um, Yay, our guy! Nova Terra was particularly fond of framberries. They had a moderately short growing season and were expensive during their off-season. Uh, this is probably something we're about to learn, so I'm, I guess I'm technically spoiling this for us, but... Um, Does it say uh, anything what they look like, about what they look like? Uh... Has anyone drawn a picture of it? <laughs> Framberry? Wait, I want to see if it comes up with an image. Wait, fra- Framberry? This is, looks like a, is this a real fruit? Is this a real fruit? Because there's I like there's images of... there's a picture of, of Framberry. What? My whole world is being imploded. Is this an actual thing? Are we idiots because we didn't know that a framberry is a real thing? It says, framberries are fruits grown on Umoja and Halcyon. Like, come on, man. That's not, you can't, (laughs) you can't do that. There wouldn't be a StarCraft wiki entry. For something that exists. For something. (laughs) (laughs) Keith did not make these up. I'm devastated. No, uh, uh, all right. Well, look here. Let me say this: of the three references to Framberries, Starcraft Ghost Nova is the first chronologically, right? Right. So if Framberries, if Framberries are a, a made-up thing, Keith made them up. Okay. Right? Once again, everyone else is even even if they were real. Obviously, uh, these other works are building on what Keith did, in my opinion. Yes. Um, I also like to imagine that since it said drunk as juice, that this could be the punch that Garth Duke is swimming in. Um, I like to imagine that, which is, which is a real waste considering how hard it apparently is to, uh, get this stuff. Okay. Uh, I don't know why we, 
we discussed all of that. Let's keep going. Um, based on the huge four-layer confection that took three servants to wheel in, the kitchen staff had succeeded in bringing these elements together, a feeling that was confirmed when Mommy and her jig Edward came over. It's just what you asked for, precious, Mommy said. Even the framberries? <laughs> Nova remembered Mr. Sim, the kitchen staff supervisor, blanching when she mentioned framberries, which wouldn't be in season for another nine months. So oh, so go. spoiled. Yeah, spoiled, right? But um, uh, Mommy smiled, even the framberries. Nova put aside her distress about what was happening with Daddy, her revulsion at Morgan, and her confusion at hearing Morgan's thoughts, and followed the cart to the dessert table, where she would receive the honor of being served the first piece of birthday cake she had designed. Uh, and that is the conclusion of chapter two. Um, which just is that strawberry nice. bombshell, like, just didn't see it coming. Well, here's the thing about it, about all of this. So far, this is the first thing that we have actually seen at this entire birthday party scene that in any way resembles a birthday party, right? <laughs> yeah. There hasn't been one single detail at this party that makes one think, yes, I'm at a birthday party. They wheel out a giant cake and the birthday girl gets to cut it, that's a motherfucking birthday party, right? Yeah. I mean, I think, I think, yeah, you're right. There Because there hasn't been any mention of music still, right? So there was still no, no... Still no music. There's no, no entertainment. <laughs> there's no, you know... And again, this is a 15-year-old. This, this is not, you know... this Like, these aren't, aren't fully grown adults here who just want to converse. This is... These are children, right? Yeah. Um, I mean, I wonder what it would, what the music would sound like, because maybe it is a bit of a barrier to writing about the music if you have to imagine what StarCraft birthday party music is like, because <laughs> essentially all I remember is the original StarCraft had um, a soundtrack that was heavily ripped off of the uh, James Horner. Uh, score from Aliens, I think. Um, or, uh, yeah, I think Aliens. And um, I think it was just this kind of feeling of orchestral space, kind of, you know, and it had a bit of hard, like hard rock goes in there occasionally. Um, and then, so I, I don't know if that's meant to be like, that's what the StarCraft universe's music sounds like, or is that, is that only... Is it diegetic or is it non-diegetic? Mm. Is it is it something the player is is hearing and then it's not related to what the Terrans would be hearing? I don't know. Here's I, what I think. Here's what why? I think is happening. I think I think the customary music in this situation for a for an old family's birthday party would be would be traditionally a sort of like classical, you know, string quartet kind of thing. Right. However, however, I don't think that's exists at this birthday party because Constantino forgot to set that up. I think that that just blew past him and he completely, and he still doesn't even realize it. And people are at this party talking about the lack of music and he is oblivious to it. Well, you know, I, I would think that Nova would bring up that there's a lack of music, but then there's something else that I wonder, which, which is, does she think the world is innately very noisy because she's a telepath, right? So That's she, true she might think that the world is very noisy anyway. So she probably isn't really thinking about 
the lack of music. Right. So right. Maybe it's right. not very she, important to her. Right. She's already hearing stuff constantly. Yeah. Right. Okay. Anyway, uh, I'm excited to go into the next chapter and find out uh, what other horrible things will befall our main character. Well, we are about to learn about Bella. Constantino's actual wife, whom he uh, hates, whom, yeah, he, he, whom he despises. She's, yeah, she's she's uh, according to him like repugnant, physically repugnant. Yes, or something. physically. Yes, yes, exactly. Like it hurts to look at her. All right, which says a lot about this relationship. Okay, <clears throat> Bella Terra went storming toward her husband's bedroom. It had been a long time since she had been this angry, and to have it happen tonight made it all the more galling. Being married to that overbearing ass had been agonizing enough, but at least he was usually good enough to stick to his proper duties. This, however, was beyond the pale. Well, this is good. Like, this is... what? what do we know what this is yet? Like, so that she's angry about? it must be like he exited the party? I don't know. There's a lot of energy in these first two paragraphs. Yeah, like, is it something that we've already seen him do, or is it something we're about to find out that he's yeah. done? Because cause what, what has he done so far? Like, the word, like, is it his shitty speech that he gave for Nova? It could you be know? the crap speech. It could be that he... It could be that he forgot the music. <laughs> he forgot the music. I don't know. What's he in trouble for? He's been pretty chill so far. He he doesn't seem to do anything, is the thing, Right. He, he seems to sort of just stand around and be there, basically. Right. So, I don't know. Uh, which, and I like, and I like that that's, that's her implication here, is that she's like, you know what? He just stays in his lane, you know? Yeah. The idea of him actually, like, stepping outside of his lane for something is not the Constantino we've come to know. Yeah. Uh, the door recognized her. Oh, okay. The door recognized her and slid open to allow, to allow her ingress. Bella was grateful that he hadn't put a privacy seal on the door, which would have ruined Bella's grand entrance, though it also meant she wasn't interrupting a private moment between Constantino and Eleftheria, something she always derived sadistic pleasure out of, mainly because of the irritated look he got on his face. Wow, she has a sport out of barging in on him while he's having sex. She is a drama queen, and I Ooh. kind of love her for it. I mean, she Ooh. loves, like, the grand entrance, and she loves, like, barging in on them having sex. She, like, basically is a sadistic kind of... <laughs> like, she gets a sadistic pleasure from, like, tormenting him, which I I imagine is somewhat mirrored by him. Otherwise, she wouldn't get so much oh, joy certainly. out of it. Yeah. It's certainly reciprocal, yeah. And what I love about this is that she's like, ooh, he still hasn't locked the door. <laughs> he still he yeah. still hasn't figured this out, Yeah. right? There's an easy solution to this, right? You well, maybe he feels like it incriminates him to lock the door, you know? <laughs> well, yeah, that's the point. That's why you lock the door, right? <laughs> Right, because something shady is happening. Nobody, yeah, nobody goes to check a locked door and it's locked and you're like, ah, oh, there must be some real benign happening uh, uh, on the other yeah, side. Yeah, you're not thinking this. to yourself, oh, Garth Duke's putting his clothes on, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Garth Duke is playing checkers in that room. Oh, Fully blessed. naked. Fully naked chess. 
No, Garth Duke would never lock the door. Like that's no, he, he would, would never is never Garth Duke prize locks all off of all doors that he <laughs> comes sim- in contact with. It simply would not occur to him. Certainly. <laughs> but But what I what I love about this is Bella's noting noting this. Like she's grateful, right? Yeah. Uh as though she's as though she knows that her time is up. Yeah. Right? She she shouldn't be getting she shouldn't be continuing to get away with this and it's it's only through Constantino's like sheer ineptitude to like take action toward anything that yeah. this continues to be an option for her to like barge in you know as as this drama queen right all right uh, it never seemed to bother oh okay here we go. Uh, it also meant she wasn't interrupting a private moment between Constantino and Eleftheria, something she always derived sadistic pleasure out of, mainly because of the irritated look on his face. It never seemed to bother Eleftheria, who was actually much easier to deal with than most mistresses. Bella got along with her better than she did her own jig, truth be told, as Edward was something of a cold fish much of the time. Wow! So wait, so they're actually quite good friends maybe or they get along at least they at least get along but hey listen to this it never seemed to bother eleftheria right yeah so 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 bella comes barging in enough eleftheria is like hey girl yeah right? she's like hey bella how are you what have you been up to <laughs> <laughs> and you're just like okay but i also feel like it might be because you know, a lot of people. A lot of people have shame to do with their naked body. Obviously, not Garth, but um, uh, clearly not Garth. But some people have a little bit of shame, and a lot of that is kind of bound up in, um, you know, like uh, if if you're in the middle of having sex, half the embarrassment is not really the act itself, but the fact that you're naked, probably. <laughs> Although mm-hmm. I guess. Maybe some of it comes from that. But I feel like she might be, like, not really embarrassed, mainly because she probably is quite confident about her body. Maybe Constantino isn't. So I don't know whether the annoyance comes from that or the actual interruption itself. Well, Constantino is very sensitive to physical features because looking at Bella makes him want to vomit. Right. So he obviously is projecting a little bit of his... Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, his own values onto her, maybe. Eleftheria sounds super chill. Yeah. Like, everybody in this world loves Eleftheria. Right. right. And it makes you wonder why she's fucking hanging out with all of these folks. Yeah, she sounds like she's a cool person, so why would she hang out with all of these dicks? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. This, she she doesn't deserve all of this. And it sounds, this doesn't sound, like, she's not being wedded into this for political reasons or something. No, she's, she seems she, like she could leave at any point as well. Yeah, she's not bound to it, you know, she's totally, I, I don't know. Like, she could have some, like, some deeper thing that's keeping her here that maybe we're not in touch with that yet. Right. I mean, and maybe she truly does love him. You know, it's a possibility. I, you know, he seems like a simple man. Constantino seems like a simple guy. And, and, and maybe there's something to that, you know? Yeah. Like, maybe there's something to, like, I know what his deal is and I know what he will and won't do for me. And that's, and it's like the terms are all clear. Right. Yeah. 
Um, and I also feel like the information that Edward is a cold fish is also kind of interesting because does that mean that Edward is very handsome and not interesting in other ways? Or does mm-hmm. it mean that she's with him because of a political expediency? I don't know. No, you're, you're right. There can't be because that's the whole point of the jig is to keep you satisfied in the midst of your displeasure with your political partner. But there is an interesting thing here because if she doesn't really enjoy Edward's company much of the time, does that mean she's retaining Edward just to annoy Constantino? Ooh, I like that idea. I like that idea a lot. Uh That she is like, she's taken to this kind of hobby of putting things in place for Constantino that just piss him off. Right. right. And I and I think that's actually that's a fair assumption considering their kind of weird mirror relationship seems like a little bit of a game for them, you know? Mhm. Mm-hmm. And Ella Theory is just down with it. She's like, "Yeah, whatever," you know. <laughs> yeah. Just enjoying the game. All right. Yeah. At, at first, when she entered, she thought Constantino had company, but then she realized that the second person in the room beside its primary occupant was the holographically projected body of a UNN reporter whose name Bella couldn't remember. Hmm. <gasps> oh, who could it be? <laughs> it, it, it can't be Handy. It can't be. It can't be our man Handy. Because it's a reporter. He's not a reporter. He's the editor-in-chief. Oh my god, I'm excited at the prospect of being closer to Handy, though. <laughs> uh... <laughs> Yeah, but it, see, I want it to be the case. But we talked about what Michael Liberty. Yeah, right? it could be Liberty, maybe. <clears throat> it could easily be Liberty, and the UNN reporter um, <clears throat> who's at the party right now is um, God. What's her name? That was pages ago. Oh, it was pages ago, but she's insignificant because she was sent by Handy Anderson, <clears throat> and Handy yeah. Anderson was doing it as a. It was like a shit work thing. Yeah, for, let's for assume. Her, right? that, you know what? Let's let's be conservative here and just assume that this holographically projected person is Handy Anderson, and we will wait for the book to confirm to to confirm or deny. Okay, <clears throat> okay. Behind him was a panoramic, if generic looking, view of Antigua Prime. Oh, so this must be the planet where the Antiguan buffalo meet. The buffalo from. planet, hooray! <laughs> Look, a uh, uh, panoramic view of the Antiguan Plains where the buffalo uh, used to used to roam freely before they were <laughs> viciously slaughtered for their mind-numbing, uh, mind-altering meat. So an entirely empty planet. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Once a once a thriving, uh, thriving, beautiful landscape. Um, <clears throat> Mercifully, Eleftheria was nowhere to be found. Wait, she likes Eleftheria. What's she, what's she doing up here? Mercifully. Maybe, yeah, oh, maybe, maybe she's trying to rip into Constantino and she doesn't want Eleftheria to have to be around for that. Right. Uh, yeah. Okay. That makes sense. Well, uh, while Bella generally liked her husband's mistress, she often tried to mediate between them and Bella simply wasn't in the mood for that right now. She just wanted to yell at Constantino directly. Oh okay. my God. I love Bella. <laughs> What's yelling him directly? It's so funny. Well, okay. So now Eleftheria isn't just sitting on the sideline watching this play out. She's actually like in the middle of it trying to, you know, smooth things out. 
Um, good for her, I guess, but come on. This isn't, these aren't the people who, no, who are don't bother. Yeah, don't, don't bother. bother. <laughs> yeah, this is what they do. Let them be who they are. Uh, the holograph was in mid-sentence. Earned that Mensk, what? Earned that Mensk and the sons of Korhal are in control of powerful mind control drugs, which they have been using freely on the populace. Hundreds have died as a result of interdimensional spraying, which can only be described as chemical attacks against innocent citizens. Others have been warped into strange mutagenic shapes as a result of the side effects of these drugs. Mengsk sent a sabo... And then it cuts off. Noticing Bella's entrance, Constantino touched a button on the nightstand, which paused the reporter, leaving him with his eyes closed and his lips comically pursed. Bella thought she Bella thought he came across more intelligent this way. Which, good shade from Bella. So, let's zoom in on this for a second. Mengsk, who's our big baddie right now. Yeah. Powerful mind control drugs being used <laughs> freely on the populace. We have found our episode title. It's interdimensional spraying. What <laughs> 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 stupid thing. <laughs> interdimensional can, spraying what the hell is that <laughs> which can only be described as chemical attacks against innocent citizens why would you call that interdimensional spraying <laughs> it really sounds like some kind of I don't know I don't want to go back to this but it sounds like a zergling sex move or something it is ridiculous <laughs> what a ridiculous phrase interdimensional uh, spraying it's like I guess maybe they're referring to a kind of uh, like sprinkler system that is an interdimensional inter- sprinkler a sprinkler system that I don't know pops into your atmosphere and sprays you and then pops out again I don't know well, you know what this made me think of was the Antiguan buffalo meat. Oh, so because of the drugs connection? Well, that's what I'm thinking, is we know that this society is very, like, dependent on this mind-altering substance to keep them placated and docile, right? Yeah. And could that be a plot by Mengsk to introduce this into their society by spraying it? <laughs> right, dimensions. right. Maybe it's yeah, all a Mengsk plan to have everyone be high constantly. So that's yeah, exactly. That's why this reporter is on Antigua Prime investigating the disappearance <laughs> of the buffalo there because Mengsk sprayed them through dimensions oh into Tarsanus. Keith is so clever. I know. I, love you, Keith. I, I know. I know. I like. You know, this actually kind of makes it all come together for me. It does. Right? Even if we have just invented this connection, I'm loving it. And I think I it's love it. true. Yeah. I like to think I like to think that people knew that Antiguan buffaloes had this like, you know, this sort of uh quality to them, but they're very rare because they're from Antigua Prime. And then Mengsk finds a way to spray them interdimensionally. <laughs> spray them interdimensionally. <laughs> the, the buffalo must be compressed into a into a spray form. 
Oh my god! <laughs> and then and then it re-expands into a buffalo form when. Or reaching... maybe the interdimensional spring has affected the Antiguan buffalo because they were like the test case for the humans. Oh, oh that's interesting. That's interesting. Like it was easier to spray the buffalo to imbue them with this quality than it was to spray them onto humans? Yeah, I guess. I mean, maybe they were just testing how, you know, absorbent the spring is. <laughs> no idea. But yeah, we- <laughs> I, it could be it could be a part of the entire conspiracy. Like- like what what lab rats are for us in our world that's buffalo in this yeah. world right mm-hmm. it's yeah. like they they like it's like a classic scene with a bunch of scientists in lab coats standing over a buffalo yeah with yeah. a little clipboard you know, <laughs> watching clipboard. watching the watching the buffalo crush this tiny maze <laughs> <laughs> yes it's just destroying the walls of the tiny maze it just stamps on it it's like well yeah. that's done yeah, yeah. I like, I like, I don't know. I like this idea that, that Mengsk only was only using the buffalo to like test out the, the chemical stuff. And then at one point was like, you know what? This is working fine. Let's just keep rolling with this. We've already, <laughs> spr- we've already got, we already sprayed like a hundred of these buffalo, you know? Yeah. Let's just, let's just, let's just feed it to the people, right? Yeah. Straight to the and- people. And 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 because Antiguan buffalo meat is being served here at this party, and they're like, "Oh, everyone's eating it," but framberries are still so rare, right? Yeah. Even though they're both from other planets, the Antiguan buffalo meat is being like actively uh, perpetuated into the society. Right. Do you think that framberries are Keith's favorite? <laughs> favorite of what? Well, because they appear to exist on Earth. According to my Googling. Yeah, right. So maybe like, he's including them because he really loves framberries himself. So that's what I'm choosing to believe. Who added framberries to the StarCraft wiki? I don't know. Who, who made an entry? I'm going to... Hang on. I'm just going to search, like, bananas. <laughs> In the StarCraft wiki. Banana split. What? Oh, no. But no, sorry, never false alarm. Banana Split is a use map setting co-op map for two players in StarCraft. Oh! Okay, never mind. Oh, false alarm. <laughs> false alarm, false alarm. No, still, Framberries are still standalone as a, uh, uh, here's the other, well, here's the other thing we haven't thought about yet. Is it possible that Keith invented Star- Framberries in StarCraft Ghost Nova and then the world loved that so much that, much that we then they invented- came into existence? We invented Framberries in the real world uh, to keep up with his his forward thinkingness. Exactly. So many authors have done that where they invent a thing and then everyone likes it and then they make it. Uh, mm-hmm. And Keith has done it. Yeah. So that's, that's the way I like to think about it. I don't, again, until we have evidence that that's not the case. Uh, I'm going to, I'm going to go with that. <clears throat> right. Okay. Constantino pauses the uh, the reporter delivering uh, this news. Bella, what can I do for you? Constantino asked. He was in the process of removing his tuxedo. <gasps> Our, I'm just, uh, just a pause to imagine. Vocab, vocab word. Um, what in the hell are you playing at? 
His nostrils flared, making him look like a particularly idiotic horse. <laughs> That's a good uh, a good description there. Not an idiotic horse, a particularly. I'm still imagining Constantino without his tuxedo on. It's hot stuff. As we haven't seen him without a tuxedo. He's only been in a tuxedo at this point. Just uh, I don't know. Just a good good image of Constantino undressing randomly here. <laughs> uh, his nostrils flared, making him look like a particularly idiotic horse. I beg your pardon. Beg all you want. You won't get it. How dare you? Bella, I haven't the foggiest idea what you're carrying on about, but Nova just came crying into my room, you jackass. I don't ever remember seeing her cry before, or at least not since she was an infant, but I can't blame her for doing it now. She's a 15-year-old girl who just got told by her father that she's being sent for re-education on some godforsaken rock in Tirador. We didn't see this, did we? No. Wow. Constantino's green eyes, which he had passed on to his daughter, widened and his mouth hung agape, making him look like an especially confused fish. <laughs> I mean, Keith not really flattering to Constantino here. Not like a flattering. Fish a, a fish in a tuxedo, not a flattering image. Not flattering. Not flattering to Constantino. On the same page, we get a particularly idiotic horse and an especially confused fish. Like this, this, <laughs> these, these can't be fifty words apart from each other. Constantino is unraveling. Right he is now. just off the rails right now. Whatever is the overlap between stupid ways that horses can look and fish can look, that's where he is right now. And <laughs> I think we've all imagined that plenty of times, so I don't need to, you know, elaborate on what that looks like. Um, she wondered if he'd work his way through the entire animal kingdom before this conversation ended. Oh my god, Keith, an incredible writer. <laughs> Re-education, uh, uh... So he says, re-education? That's the most ridiculous thing I ever heard. That brought Bella up short. You mean you're not sending her to Tirador? Of course I am, but it has nothing to do with any kind of re-education. Where could she have gotten such a notion? Bella's fury returned a hundredfold. She couldn't believe he'd spoiled what had been a glorious evening for Nova like this. And when were you planning to inform me of this momentous decision regarding my daughter, precisely? She's my daughter, too, Bella. And you didn't sneak off and get a sex change behind my back, did you? I only ask because you because you may have mistaken your role for that as for that of head of the household. Besides, it's an honest mistake to make since you seem to have lost your testicular fortitude. Wow! Like, what? This is crazy. Like, what's going on here? I feel like she's really angry. Like, like this is this, this is a very far... This is an excoriation. <laughs> yeah, man. Where Constantino is really taking it. But he seems... He's, he's taking it in stride here. Now Constantino rolled his eyes. Very droll, my dear. Very droll. But this is a necessary step. It's not safe on Tarsanus. The hover plant, the hovercraft plant, was attacked last night. He so he's used to this, right? He's not. He like this doesn't bother him at all. He's like, yeah, okay, I'm a fish. I'm a horse. I'm a testicle, you know, monster. 
like I'm, you know, he, he doesn't seem to care. And he's also interesting that he is not the head of the household. Uh, that is apparently Bella's role. Yeah. Uh, also when he said the hover, hovercraft plant, I can't help but remember our, our imagery of it being a literal plant, like spitting out hovercrafts. Um, yeah, but also what's really funny is that, like, it's, like, the most important thing in his, his entire life is this hovercraft plant was attacked, <laughs> which you're just, like, it's, like, his pet project. <laughs> now, now, we can't think too much about my sending our daughter off for military training. The hovercrafts are be, are at risk. The, hovercraft, the hovercrafts are under attack. Right, so anything goes must- when the hovercrafts are under attack. Yeah, so let's remember that Bella, the hovercraft, hovercraft. What I would love is she. What I would love at this point, she was like, "Oh, the hovercrafts. Oh shit! I'm so. Oh my god! I'm so sorry. I'm gonna get out of hair." Burst into tears and be like, "Not the hovercraft! Not the hovercraft!" Like she is. Like she really also wanted one of those hover bikes. Four hundred and twenty-eight. Twenty-eight. Whatever. Yeah. Four hundred twenty-eight hover bikes. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I like the idea that everyone is universally agrees. Like, this is the most important. This is the most important part. This is the thing we have to focus on. Yeah. Uh, again, Bella found herself brought up short. Rebels? She asked in a much quieter tone. So she is, like, you know, disturbed by this information. Yes. How many? How many died? Almost the entire night shift. For what seemed like the millionth time, she cursed Arcturus Gmensk and his band of murdering scum. She swore that if she ever saw him, well, if they were ever in the same room, he'd probably have her shot, but she'd do her best to try to kill him first. A forlorn, a forlorn hope, but one she had kept but one she had kept burning in her gut ever since that rabble rouser first started causing his unrest. And then there's the aliens. <laughs> of course, of course, Constantino, there's the aliens as well. Um, of course. Oh, and don't get me started on those aliens. That's a really good title for a 1950s sitcom. And then there's the aliens. <laughs> and and, and for, for Constantino, this is like, he's already got like, plenty of shit to deal with and then he's like oh right aliens too (laughs) not just the hover bikes not just the hover bikes not just the birthday parties not just my annoying wife (laughs) it's also gotta be aliens wow oh my god We, we should definitely adapt this into a sitcom it it it's a sitcom that writes itself. Yeah. Right. They're they're all like it's the sitcom where the alien threat is happening in the background and it's never actually shown or anything. It's just this constant like topic of conversation that you know in the midst of all of this like political interfamily drama and everything. Yeah, I I feel this is. Uh... This is a safe bet in terms of like where the the comedy is all coming from. The friction between these two at this point, I think. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Bella rolled her eyes. 
Please don't tell me you believe that nonsense on UNN. Mind control drugs? Constantino smiled wryly. Oh, UNN's reports bear only a passing resemblance to reality. He touched the control on the end table, and the reporter and the reporter started up again. Which, uh, uh, God, I, you know, is, are, are we are we expected to say that that the uh, UNN is wrong about the interdimensional spraying? Because if if they are, <laughs> we're going to have to go back and sort of reassess our our uh, our theories. Yeah, our theories. I don't know, because I I guess if if UNN is completely unreliable, um, that Andy Anderson would never allow that. <laughs> I I'm I'm really hesitant to. I guess Andy Anderson uh, is such a, a scoundrel and a rogue that he Andy made... Anderson is a pillar of journalistic excellence, and I will not have anyone say otherwise. <laughs> But I want him to be a scoundrel and a rogue. <laughs> but <laughs> can't I, yeah. he be a scoundrel and a rogue and an upstanding pillar of journalistic excellence? That's true. Maybe he's just he's just a kid or honor. Right. Uh, he's okay. He's the opposite of Constantino. He's a devious scoundrel who is in service of quality journalism. Right. Yes. He's, it's like the exact inverse of what Constantino is doing with his business. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> All right. All right. Here's the, re- the reporter started up again. Chur aboard the NORAD 2 and exposed the crew to a virulent toxin. The result was the recent crash of that ship. Uh, oh my God, Kara. Hang on. Remember when we were looking at the StarCraft wiki last time, we talked about Michael Liberty being smuggled onto the onto the NORAD 2 after yeah. the mildly radio mildly radioactive waste yes. incident? You remember that, right? I remember. Aboard the NORAD 2 and exposed the crew to a virulent toxin? <gasps> uh, is that the same radioactive waste I that our friend I- Garth Duke was a part of? <gasps> because because Michael Liberty was the reporter who was smuggled onto NORAD 2 because of Handy Anderson's connections, right? Yeah. yeah. And that crashed the ship? Oh. We're like uh, witnessing it play out right now. Right, right. But... That was remember, but we we just said because of the timeline that was like six months prior. Oh, right? so maybe is, they're just finding out about it is now, it just or maybe being reported now. That could be the thing. It could could be just being reported now. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, agents of the Sons of Corhall captured those affected by the mind control drugs and left the rest to die at the hands of their Zerg allies. I believe that Gen- General Edmund Duke. There we go. Scion of the Duke family of Tarsanus has fallen prey to those mind control devices and now has been reduced to a mentally reprogrammed zombie in the service of the terror. And then it cuts off again. So, oh my god, he's on drugs? What? He is on, he is on drugs. And Garth may have been a part of the 
perpetuating of these drugs. Oh my goodness. This is a bombshell. Garth. Garth. Garth may have actually instigated this whole issue by infecting Michael Liberty with the drugs, which then gets passed on to the whole rest of this crew and thus all of the other people, uh, all the other humans affected. Oh my God, Garth is just, what is happening? He's, what if he's the cause of all of the conflicts in the universe? (laughs) It's just Garth and his shenanigans. And you know what he's doing at this very minute? He is doing the backstroke through the punch bowl, not giving two cares in the world. He just (laughs) fucked over humanity and he is back at it. (laughs) Oh my God. I love it. Uh, That, God, that's that's insane, right? Um, Well, I I mean, Constantino seems to be saying that this is not true, though. Yeah, or that he but, doesn't believe it. But this is Handy Anderson telling us this information. So. It must be true. If it, if Come it comes on, it's Handy Anderson. Right. We've got, it's got to be true, right? Right. I also like the idea here that that Edmund Duke is like uh, gets screwed over by his own family member here, basically. Right. Right. He's just doing his job, and then he's like screwball nephew, you know, comes in and messes it up for everyone, basically. Yeah. Um, which I like to think that that's how the whole Duke, Duke family sees Garth, right? It, it, it sort of has to be. Yeah. Uh, well, let's see what Constantino thinks about this. He paused the playback again. The best lies contain a kernel of truth. He walked up to Bella, looking down at her and putting his hands on her shoulders. Bella, I'm not supposed to tell you this, but an alien race called the Protoss destroyed Chow Sarah and Mar Sarah. Destroyed? Bella couldn't believe it. Planets weren't just destroyed. Well, except for Korhal. Okay, come on, Bella. A planet was already destroyed. Obviously, planets can be destroyed, right? (laughs) Like, you can't, that's, you can't, you can't be like, okay, well, except for the time that it happened and it was a huge, crazy deal, it doesn't happen. Right. Uh, that can't be right. I'm afraid it is. And those Zerg that they're talking about on UNN, they're real too. But they're not allied with Mengsk or anyone else. They are enemies of the Protoss, though. And I suspect that our fate is to be caught in the middle of their war. That's why a number of us have agreed uh, to get some of our children off Tarsanus. And Duke has turned, but not because of any drugs. Mengsk has convinced him to join his side. Bella felt as if she'd been slapped with a metal plate. That's insane. She wasn't even sure which of the revelations her husband had dropped on her fit that bill best though the fact that Edmund Duke had gone rogue was no real surprise. The man was always an idiot, and an embarrassment. If he had been mentally reprogrammed into a zombie, nobody would know the difference, her thinking to herself. Then again, recalling Garth's antics at the party, she thought that perhaps that whole family had gone mad. Ooh, baby, (laughs) Garth poisons the waterhole for everyone. Oh, poor Garth. Oh, Garth. He's just doing his best, right? (laughs) Isn't he? I don't know. Aren't we all doing our best? Haven't we all instigated a, you know, 
chemical warfare mind control outbreak Man. from time to time in the pursuit of what we love. Do you think that like Garth's antics are a sign that he's on drugs though? Oh, that's a big question. That's a big question. I, I want to say Garth is the only one who's not on drugs. <laughs> okay. I just, I want to believe that he is the one who's kind of like sees past the facade here and is, and is in touch with something, you know, deeper and truer about the world. Um, and that looks it crazy to everyone else around him. Right. Yeah. That's what I want to believe. Is that true? I don't know. I, I guess. I guess none of them are on drugs because Constantino says he doesn't believe it. But I mean, yeah, but they're eating the buffalo meat. They're eating the yeah. buffalo meat. Yeah, they are. That's what I. That's what I think. I think the buffalo meat is this uh, chemical drug thing that they're yeah. talking about, right? Um, I like I, that the spin is put on stuff though by the by UNN like Handy Anderson's really doing a lot of legwork here suggesting the Zerg are on Men- Menk's side like when they're just like a completely different side you know mm-hmm. all of this is very interesting what does yeah. it really serve I guess it must serve some kind of conflict within the Terran factions right to be able to report like this Kara you know what we're doing here and I hate to say this but we are engaging seriously with deep StarCraft lore. Now, I know. I right? know. Something you, I thought I'd never do. How do you feel about that? I feel weird because I feel like I've fallen down the rabbit hole now. It's got, I, you know, I'm, I'm so far down that I can't get back up again. I, 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 if I, someone I was, came I, up to me at a party and mentioned Handy Anderson, I would lose my mind. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, let's not get carried away and call Handy Anderson deep StarCraft lore. All right. Uh, I don't know. I don't know that that's that's quite that's quite what concerns me. What concerns me is the fact that I was looking through the StarCraft wiki earlier today and and was thinking legitimate thoughts to myself along the lines of of uh, of uh, oh, so if Mengsk's revolution occurred five years before the fall of Tarsanus, then that means it would have taken this amount of time for the Confederacy to respond. And that's where I start to have problems with myself. As right, because you got like sucked in, basically. Because I'm actually speaking their language now. Yeah, you're you doing know? like the calculations. Yeah, and I don't, I don't know how I like how I feel about that. And that's the further we get into this into this book the more it's like inviting us to do that the more now it's like all right let's talk about the duke family let's talk about tarsanus let's talk about what happened on core hall right <laughs> and i don't want to know what happened on core hall i want to be ignorant about what happened on core hall i want to read the word core hall and go i don't know what the fuck that means but when but when bella said except for core hall i was like yeah because of Minsk, right and it's like <laughs> damn it i don't want that i don't think i want that in my life yeah, I mean, it is weird. I think I think just because we kind of got... Because people sent us emails, right, that, met, that sent us towards the wiki, and then now we've got, mm-hmm. like, sucked down the wiki as well. This so, is why we said don't send us emails. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 illegal. You can't send us illegal emails. It's, it's a crime, and you're all criminals. <laughs> you made us this way. 
Yeah. I, you you did this to us. We were having a perfectly pure, innocent conversation about birthday parties. And then and then you all had to bring up Emperor Mensk and all of this stuff. And, and then uh, now I know about Framberries. I don't know. I'm okay with Framberries, though. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I mean, Fram, Framberries, that like, that, okay. Keith probably invented Framberries. And, and, it feels like this book is him taking StarCraft lore, but like injecting it with things like Framberries and and Garth Duke and Antigon Buffalo Meat as a way to like sort of soften it for a non-StarCraft audience and then lure them in and get them thinking about things like the timeline of the Sons of Korhol revolution. Do you think that Framberries were in the original video game that didn't come out? The StarCraft Ghost video game. Yeah. Um, th- there's no reference to it in the There could have been a collectible. Or... Oh, that would have been so nice. Because or... it says Nova, Nova Terra is especially fond of them. And, like, that could have been, like, a thing that she finds, like, a collectible. Yeah, or, like, a, a consumable, maybe? I like the idea that it's more like, you know how, how they put like trading cards in a game and you have to collect them all and it's like a side thing that just like rewards you for being, you know, explorative. I like the idea that there's these like framberry baked goods. Around. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and she's That's like scouring nice. them and finding them. And it's just like a nice little moment, you know, and hmm. she just sits, you know, and thinks like, ah, oh, reminds me of that birthday party. <laughs> yeah. Well, we have learned so much this episode. We have learned a lot. And uh, and I think that's a great place to bookmark it and uh, come back to it next time and continue to learn more about this uh, beautiful world that Keith is mostly inventing wholesale from, yeah. from Raw Cut Cloth. Yeah, and the godfather. Yeah, he is the godfather of this. Um and uh yeah and i'm 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 glad and i'm also glad for the little bit of information on the starcraft wiki that is filling this out for me even though i am sort of resentful that i now know a little bit about the lore right and i do think we should make a good faith effort to resist the lore as we as we (laughs) read this book but it did it did send us down some quite vital realizations to be honest i feel at what cost (laughs) (laughs) at at what cost yeah (laughs) am i okay with myself (laughs) i don't know i feel like you're very upset about this Ah, uh, yeah, I don't know. Like, it depends on how the rest of this book goes, you know? Like, if if Keith is just sort of setting this up in a way where, you know, like... He's pranking okay, you? Well, like, he's starting us off with a little bit of stuff, and then later we're gonna, you know, get... We're not gonna worry so much about the lore, or if it's actually just gonna get more and more lore-heavy. I don't know. Yeah. Okay. We'll find out. And we'll have to continue finding that out as we continue um, recording this podcast and uh, doing new episodes. Um, which I look forward to. Uh, thank you for listening. Uh, remember, it's a crime to email us at theinspirationalquarterly at gmail.com. Uh, and with that, I think we should uh, find a William Butler Yeats quote. Oh, yes. Whose um, turn is it? I think it's your turn. Oh, really? William 
But they're Yates. Let's see what we've got. He is truly a man with a quote for everything. He does have like thousands and thousands of these quotes. We're going to start running out at some I point. Know. But... He... Um... Oh, here's a good one for us. All right, go ahead. Education is not the filling of a pail, but the lighting of a fire. Ooh. William Butler Yates. We know Nova is about to be sent to a re-education camp. But we ourselves are being educated here by Keith, I would say. That's also true. (laughs) Are we like Nova? (laughs) Yes. Is Nova a stand-in for the reader of the book? She is our teacher. And Keith is the school uh, district superintendent. Yes, he's the superintendent of all of and the also floor. And also the principal at each one of the schools within the district. <laughs> yes. Simultaneously. And he's, he's in a big feud with the superintendent of the next district. You know, William, you know, he's, he's really... William uh, Dietz, just fuck the Dietz district. Oh, I hate the fuck, Dietz district. Fuck the Dietz, the Dietz school district, the D, the DSD. <laughs> Man, oh those goodness. Dietz, those Dietz kids just don't know fucking anything. <laughs> All right, well, thanks, Kara. Uh, we'll uh, we'll get back to it next week. Thanks everyone for joining us on this journey, and we'll uh, see you again soon. Awesome. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye.